Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Inclusive Class Podcast. Through interviews and discussions, it's our goal to explore the promise and practice of inclusive education. I'm Nicole Eredix, and I'm one of your hosts for the show. I'm a parent, inclusion teacher, and creator of the online resource, theinclusiveclass.com. And joining me here on the Inclusive Class this morning is my co-host, Terry Morrow. Hi, Terry. Good morning, Nicole, and welcome to all our listeners. I am Terry Morrow. I'm the author of 50 Ways to Support Your Child's Special Education, and I write about special needs for about.com at specialchildren.about.com. I'd like to mention to anybody out there listening to us live that we're not taking phone calls, and uh, we're keeping the chat room closed for the moment, too, because you know what? It's early in the morning, and I can't handle more than one thing at a time. Um, week's been going pretty good here. We're all settling into our uh, college routine, I guess, including me. And mm-hmm. My uh, helicopter mom landing pad in the cafeteria is pretty well established now. I have my little corner by the plug, and uh, I just sit there with my laptop all day, and you know, my kids and their friend come and go and hang with me, and then go off to their classes. So I think it's about the proper balance of uh, you know independence and clinginess. I mm-hmm. don't know what all the uh, college students around us kind of giving me the fish eye, uh, think, but uh, it's working for us. How's the school year going for you? Good, thank you. My kids have the day off today, so, you know, that means that, uh, well, no homework for them and for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you know what, you go from, like, when they're little, you really dread those days off because they're underfoot, to when they're older going, oh, thank God, no notes home from the teacher, no homework, we can all relax. I know, it's a day to relax, (laughs) and you don't have to worry about anything coming up in the day, and every time the phone rings, you're not looking to see if it's school. (laughs) 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 Yes. It's it's a low-key day, and... um, I was actually going to write in uh, to mention that um, I would be reworking the California science curriculum, grade 6 science curriculum today. (laughs) Coming so frustrated with the content and the workload that that class is putting out. Just walk into um, the teacher, here you go, I've redone all your lesson plans. Exactly. (laughs) Go ahead and use these. But I thought that would be a little bit uh, a little bit too much. So I'm sure she would welcome that, Nicole. I'm sure that you know, would work out really well. You think she'd go for it? <laughs> I'm, I think that this I'm would involve so there being people at the door of the school making sure you don't get in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that happened one year. <laughs> Keep her out. She is trouble. Uh, no, it's just that seems to be all we're doing lately is, you know, my daughter comes home from school, she sits down at the table, and I'm reteaching the entire science lesson. So, yeah, I need to... And how nice I, that you have the skills to do that. Well, I'm not very sure about that. I just, you know, science was not my forte, so... Oh, shoot. Especially grade if you had six. a science background, you could probably charge all the other parents to send their I know. Homework. I will do their homework with them. Yeah. I will reteach the lesson. Yeah, exactly. For a small fee. I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> Come on over. I'll just charge a few dollars. Yeah. <laughs> Cover my expenses. No. Um, Bring me baked goods. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I prefer that, actually. <laughs> Take my dinner for me. Exactly. There you go. Sure, we, sure we can figure something out. Uh, anyway, yes. 
So I'm not even going to think about it today. I'm not going to think about school. That's my only mention yeah. of school today, and then we're done with that. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I am. I'm done with that for today, and we're going to relax and have a nice three-day weekend. And I'm actually going to catch up on some reading and. Nice. Got a few books on my nightstand and a couple books on my uh, my iPad that I want to catch up on. And one of them is actually a book that has been written by our guest today, Zachary Fennell. And he's going to talk about that with us in a minute. But first, I'd like to say good morning to him. Hi, Zachary. How are you? Good. How are you doing today? Good. Thank you. We're really glad that you can join us today and, and share with us some of your insight into inclusive education um, can you get our interview started by telling our audience a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. My name is Zachary Snow. Um, I was born with a mild case of cerebral palsy. So uh, growing up, I had uh, you know, a physical need for an IEP in school and through that, you know, that version of special education and. Um, so I, but I grew I grew up in inclusive mainstream classroom, or edu- got educated through inclusive mainstream classroom. Uh, I graduated high school in 2005, went on and got my four-year degree in communication with writing and philosophy minors in uh, Notre Dame College of Ohio, mm-hmm. and then I've uh, worked as a freelance writer since. Um, I am, you know, my disability makes me greatly interested in writing about disabilities. So I've I've written for websites, freelancing for websites such as Disaboom in the past, and currently I'm working with uh, the Mobility Resource. Um, And then I also append, as you mentioned, my... uh, a book called Off Balance, which is available on the Kindle and Nook. Excellent, nice. Now, um, I'm just going to diverge from a bit for a bit. We, I know that we had talked about um, some questions that that we could discuss. I just want to quickly diverge. I want to get a sense of uh, your exp- your exact experience with inclusion. Now, were you in your neighborhood school, and and you just you were just part of that? School and they made accommodations for your physical needs then? Was that the idea? Or did you yes, go to another yes. school outside your neighborhood? No, I, uh, I went to uh, the school in my neighborhood. Um, actually went to the school like a little like earlier than usual. I, uh, I know I spent, like when I was in kindergarten, I was, uh, you know, so I was kindergarten at the elementary school and then I would in the morning and then in the afternoons I'd actually go back to the preschool to get like physical therapy and uh, you know that kind of stuff which I had gotten the year before and actually think the year before that so I I was uh, you know not only was I in the uh, mainstream um, mainstream uh, school around my neighborhood but mm-hmm. if you go if you think back I was re- I was really there for an extended stay right <laughs> You had other services that were being offered and that you were included with as well then. Yeah. And then, um, so back to your book, Off Balance. Can you tell us what made you write it and what you were hoping to accomplish by writing it? What made me write it is, you know, 
I, today I sound, all, you know, I'm very confident about having disability. I own the fact, and I don't let it, you know, live, I don't let it direct my life. But, uh, you know, when I, when I was a teenager, which is when my, where my book, as an adolescent, my book focuses on, that wasn't so much the case. I was just, I didn't like that. I was very discouraged about being different, and I didn't like that. I just want to be like everyone else, and it just created a you know very negative attitude towards having a disability, and just you know it's growing up my experience, I learned that it was just the wrong attitude to take, and my initial reason for writing it was I wanted to reach uh teenagers who might have that same kind of discouragement and have them teach them, learn from my lessons and you know and so they can make the most of their adolescent and teenage years instead of having to look back like I did and uh, make up for it. So, uh, mm-hmm. and so you know, that's the reason I wrote it. But in the process of writing it, I actually, you know, I was talking to, di- I was researching, talking to different people about publishing. And one of the people I ended up meeting with was my eighth grade English teacher, Mr. Barnes. And he helped show me that this isn't just going to be useful to, you know, teenagers with disabilities, but, you know, that everyone around a kid with, you know, a student who, you know, with a disability um, is affected because, you know, it, you know, it can, you know, it kind of changes the dynamic of the classroom um, mm-hmm. and, the, you know, the teacher, you know, you know, the teachers and parents. So it really got me thinking and really excited about, uh, I tried to really give a unique, real, you know, view and honest look into what my mind was like during those teenage years, and so what you know, I just feel like you know it it goes beyond my initial uh, uh, my initial goal to just reach discourage teens and encourage them to not to uh, use a cliche, turn that frown upside down. Mm-hmm. And to really just uh, raise, uh, you know, raise understanding of what living with a disability is about. Great. And so you just found that your audience became so much broader when you realized that you can send a message to others, too, about your own experiences and some of the lessons that you've learned and, and um, you know, kind of create a message for those people as well. That's great. Um, and I know that I'm I'm working my way through. I'm reading it too, and um, and I'm enjoying it so far. So well done. Now, can you tell us a little bit more about your experiences in mainstream inclusive classrooms? I know that we talked a little I, bit at the beginning, but yeah, yeah. I have an IEP. Uh, I had an IEP, um, which you know, initially, uh, I mean, I look back. I think a lot of my uh, accommodations were uh, very. Uh, Low, you know, low profile for the most part. Uh, mm-hmm. I was given five minutes to, in high school. I was given five minutes from class to class um, to get to my next class in time without having to, uh, you know, as I I phrase it in my uh, book, the tremendous dangers of a teenage-filled hallway. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. I was, you know, so I was I had five minutes 
to make sure that I didn't disrupt class and call and I wasn't calling attention. I was always like I my IP also included I should have a a seat near the door so mm-hmm. that uh, it was interesting. A seat near the door, but also, if possible, up front as po- and as much as possible. And uh, so, you know, because uh, I use glasses, you know, I need glasses, so uh, the sight is uh, is an issue for me. But mm-hmm. uh, so it was to have, uh, you know, close to the door so I can just get up and leave without distracting the class and anything. Um Another one was I had a textbook. I was supposed to get two sets of textbooks, one to keep in the classroom and then one to keep at home. And that way I wouldn't have to uh, be lugging around heavy backpacks to and from school with heavy textbooks. Right. And uh, that one used, that was an interesting kind of, because I don't think any of my teachers were ever really against it, but with limited number of textbooks, they like some of the now, some of the, my teachers are just kind of like, um, okay, I understand this. I don't know if we're going to have enough textbooks. So oh. that, that was something that, you know, uh, usually, I you know, once or twice, you know, I, you know, they, I had to uh, accommodate where they just had the one textbook for the most, but for the most part, they were good on uh, that. Probably the right. most, uh, uh, most awkward uh, IEP on accommodation I ever really had was uh, in 7th and 8th grade for gym class. At, up to that point, I had uh, participated in gym class, but my parents were concerned for my safety as, you know, everyone was getting older and stronger and getting more competitive. So mm-hmm. instead of, you know, but Ohio has a requirement where, you know, you have to do phys ed. So right. instead of being... Uh, being amongst my peers at, you know, with the physical activity, I actually served as the teacher's uh, assistant where I would set up, and um, you know, set up the games for the day on help ref when they're doing activities like volleyball or uh, soccer or football. Uh, right. Take attendance of the game the day while they're doing warm-ups. So it was, it was, an inter- it was very interesting to have... You know, my, all my classmates in the gym clothes, you know, doing the warm-ups, and then me sitting up there in my street clothes with uh, teachers, um, the teacher's uh, grade book and taking attendance, or attendance book, taking yeah, attendance. Yeah, so, yeah. That how how that, did you feel about that? Was that something that you had a, you know, were you, were you happy with that situation or were you wanting something different at that time? It. I felt a little awkward with it. Um, I know I what I really wanted to do is just like do a term paper on kind of uh, you know a phys ed related theme, mm-hmm. but uh, the the school district didn't find that was uh, you know, suitable enough for the credit. Uh, one term paper wouldn't be suitable enough for uh, credit for the entire year. So I, it was a little you know it was. And I just I felt a little we- you know felt a little weird about it, but uh, for the most part, you know, it's you know, I, I I survived. <laughs> you managed, but that's a great point. I just wanted to quickly interject that, you know, as kids get older, being involved with their IEP, 
and that process is just as important as having the parents and the team involved with it because you can actually express your feelings about how practical that situation is going to be and how that's going to make you feel around your peers and especially when you're so self-conscious at that age and <laughs> trying to fit in yeah. and trying to belong and not wanting to be excluded. That's a great point. I don't, Terry, did you want to add to that? I'm sorry, I just heard you. No, no that's, I was no, just thinking no. that, I mean, the accommodation that you had there is something I totally would see asking for for my kids in that situation. I totally get where your parents were at, but we don't always know what it feels like on the ground. You know, mm-hmm. I always worry about that with my kids. You know, I can, I can, we can come up with these great ideas all as adults and and implement them, and then sometimes when I talk to my kids, it turns out that they really hate it. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. really, you know, there's unforeseen consequences. Like, well, I really don't want to be sitting off to the side by myself in my street clothes. Yeah. So, um, yeah. you know, it's 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 good to hear that, and interesting to have that to think of, and. Uh, you know, good if you can be an advocate in the IEP meeting. Um, my kids were, you, were always so intimidated by it, it was difficult to do. But uh, were you able to do that, yeah. uh, Zachary? Were you able to speak up for yourself pretty well? Um, yeah, yes. And this is a, a, a very interesting point that, you know, you bring up, too, about, you know, that something sounds like something you would push for your kid. Because, it was, you know, it, I felt like, you know, I spoke up, but I didn't always feel like my voice, was listening to, and this is more especially at home where uh, I sp- I would speak up and tell my parents what you know I was you know uh, going into junior high was the first mm-hmm. time or it, I I was um, going to junior high two floors and, and they want I wanted to just use the stairs like everyone else between class but my parents were very much like no someone knocked into you you're gonna fall down uh, you know you should use the elevator so and I. Uh, always try to. I always hesitate, and there's like those ums and uh when I do interviews be- because I don't want to make my parents come out as the bad guy saying, "Oh, they didn't right. listen to me." But it was just their concern. I mean, mm-hmm, I always yeah. kind of looked at. I always kind of like had that you no know, feeling like they don't understand what it's like because they don't have cerebral palsy. But you know, as I matured, I realized too that you know what. I was their first child with CP they raised, you know, mm-hmm, first mm-hmm. and only. You know, I have two brothers, and uh, both are uh, able-bodied. But, um, you know, so I was first, you know, their only child they had raised. So, it, you know, it's not exactly the, you know, it's not the easiest on the parents, I didn't know, either. So it was, you know, I uh, when I spoke up, a lot of times I felt like my, um, what I wanted was, kind of pushed to the side for, uh, you know, better safe than sorry attitude. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> you know that, it, and it's not that, now, it's, I understand that, you know, from a parent perspective now that, you know, you want to keep your kids safe. So it, it's mm-hmm. just a very difficult dynamic. And, you know, what I hope to, you know, doing what I do with the writing and penning my book is exact bring up this exact conversation so that, you know, you know, it can be addressed and maybe student concerns can be taken a little bit more serious and there can be a little more mm-hmm. compromise between, you know, what uh, a parent wants for safety and what the student and what the kid wants. Right. right. That's yeah. a good point. Really good, yes. Um, Zachary, I have one more question for you, and then Terry has some questions before our time runs out okay. today. 
Um, can you tell us why you feel inclusive education is important for students uh, with various disabilities and special needs? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not only important with students with disabilities and various needs, but I think it's important for uh, all students, all students that actually, you know, teachers and everyone involved because, you know, inclusion, you know, inclu inclusion in, the edu in, ed in the education world is going to help lead to a more inclusive society. I mm -hmm. think well, there's a, there's a negative stigma about uh, having you know, disabilities talk. There's a negative stigma related with their you know their their a negative awkward stigma because people aren't used to being around what uh, disabilities, and mm -hmm. that all comes from a lack of inexperience. When you you know the kids are the, they always say you know kids are the future. If but you know, and inside that classroom, if they get to know their classmates, whether it you know be someone like me who walks at the funny gate, or uh, you know someone in a wheelchair, or someone learning disability, it they're going they're going to get accustomed and grow used to what disability is, and not really see that disability as much as they see that's their classmates and that's the way they are. And mm -hmm. I think that just you know that will evolve as those students go through school and graduate and go to, you know, go higher education and then, uh, you know, disperse out into the real world. And uh, I use, like, quotations when I say real world because mm -hmm. uh, with my fingers, of course, no one can see me do that. But, uh, you know, because, you know, it's like if, you know, that out there is the real world, does that make, you know, what the school, the fake world? So, you right, know, right. That's, but that's that's I guess that's another subject we could talk about. But yeah, so I just for the most part I just feel like it's going. You know, it will help uh, solve the inexperience about you know able-bodied dis uh, disabled people uh, integrating together and just you know I said you know create a more inclusive future in all of society. Great point. Thank you. Uh, what Great. advice would you give to uh, students with disabilities uh, for developing friendships with uh, able-bodied peers? I know that's often a difficult thing. It's been a difficult thing for my kids going into inclusion and, and fitting in and being one of the gang. Do you have some tips on that? Yeah. I, uh, one of my uh, tips would just be find, you know, define an interest. What are you interested in? And then join a club organization, student club organization, that um, or a, a group around the um, around the neighbor uh, around your neighborhood that you know help them that is about know that about that interest. So I was good at writing, so I you know, and I really enjoyed baseball, so I became uh, and I, I was you know I was wasn't going to play baseball for my high school team. So I joined the newspaper staff, and the high school newspaper staff, to uh, and write about sports. So I just think because when you define an interest like that, and you join a club organization, you give your you're giving yourself a chance to have people look past the disability, mm -hmm. which they will most likely initially see, unfortunately, and yeah. see see that what interests you have. And that would be like a common interest, and that that's a good way to start building friendships. Um, another suggestion I would have is to just you know observe your peers and see kind of like 
So who are the more uh, friendly students? And strike up conversations with that man. Now they may not be the coolest kids in the school, but yeah. they you know, but they're quality people. But if they're that right. friendly, chances are they're quality people. And you know, quality friendships and quality people are going to be the ones who don't care, you know, who are going to be able to look past a disability and, mm-hmm. you know, in whatever special education requirements you have and just see a person and friend them, That's be great. friends with them. Did you ever have any, any problems getting involved in groups in schools or in the community uh, that weren't welcoming to you? I know sometimes we've had trouble with kids with uh in special ed around here, getting into their clubs because they have to take the bus home, or because it's not, and we can't accommodate you. And organizations in the community say they can't accommodate you. Is that something that you had to face as well, or was your community pretty uh, good with that? My community was pretty good with that. That's good. So I really, I you know, I don't really have um, that, and I you know, when that does happen, it's unfortunate. I just think uh, I think that at that point, that's when. No, a parent and uh, you know the parent and the student be- needs to be you know speak up and become the which they usually happens you know become the yeah. big advocate <laughs> for them and really say you know no you know why you know why can't you know you join you no know, why can't my son join this group why can't my daughter do this you know and right. really stick up and you know be a pain if you have to <laughs> you know I I, I mean, oh my yes you I do. know like. <laughs> When I was in, uh, really quickly, I know we're starting to run low on time, but when I was in, actually, back in elementary school, that's when my mother, I don't remember exactly because I was so young, but she had an issue with the handicapped parking spaces, whether there wasn't enough or someone who was parking in it. And, you know, the, you know, the principal was very lackluster moving on that and, uh, you know, addressing that issue. But my mother was... A constant pain in his side, and you know, was a <laughs> strong advocate to get the issue addressed, and uh-huh. you know, and make sure that handicapped spots were there for her and whoever else needed them. Yeah, that's great. Yes, we do have to do that sometimes. <laughs> we just hope that what we're fighting for turns out to be something that our kid wants us to be fighting for. But <laughs> yeah. um, it's <laughs> always a dance. Ask them, say, hey, you know. Do you want? Do you want me to? Uh, uh, do you want me to push for this? Yeah. Sometimes I always feel like the kid says, you know, oh, now everybody in the school knows that my mom is a pain in the butt. Could you just stay home and be quiet? <laughs> All the teachers look at me when I walk down the hall. But uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the chance that's we take. <laughs> yes. Um. If, if listeners walk away from today's interview remembering one thing, Zachary, what would you like that to be? Uh, simple. Students with disabilities are people first. Uh, you know, they have the same social Amen. desires for the most part than anyone else. And I really, you know, I, one of the most gratifying, uh, you know, feedback I got from my book, which I think really illustrates this, and it's something that a uh, quick extra I really want to share, that you know, it demonstrates it. You know, um, unlike all the other autobiographies or writers with cerebral palsy I have read, this book does not focus on disability, the search for a cure or a treat or a treatment system. It is simply a well written modern story of an ordinary American teenager who happens to be disabled. 
And that came mm-hmm. from a, a reviewer for Disability Horizons. And it, to me, that really just hit the nail right on the head of what I wanted to get done with my book is to see that, you know, see, you know, see uh, people with disabilities and students with disabilities not only as that, you know, special education students, but as students, as people yes. with the same, you know, social desires that everyone else for the most part has. Yes, and the same rights as well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Most definitely, uh, you know, the same rights. I've been rather fortunate <laughs> where I haven't had to deal with too much of that, you know, too much discrimination. But, yeah, most most importantly, you know, same rights. Give, you know, equal opportunity. Absolutely. Equal, no, don't, no, equal opportunity, you know, to succeed or fail. Don't just, you know... Oh, and there's our school bell comes in, coming at a good time. I guess a great message to end on. Um, do you have a website or other online resources our listeners can find you at? Yeah, I uh, my website. I have two. Uh, I have a blog, offbalance.wordpress.com. That's o f s b a l a n c e d dot wordpress.com. And then zacharyfinell.com. Z a c h a r y s E N E L L and dot com. Okay. Okay. Um, thank you so much for being our guest today, Zachary. And I'd like to thank our listeners for tuning into our program this morning. Join us again next Friday at 9 a.m. when we will have a returning guest, Catherine Burke, to talk about preventing conflict between parents and schools. Ha! Good luck with that. In the meantime, you can also follow us on Twitter, where Nicole tweets under the name Inclusive Underscore Class, and I am at Mamatude, M A M A T U D E. You can also find archives to our past shows on my blog at www.mamatude.blogspot.com. Also, our show is now available on Stitcher and iTunes as a podcast for free download. So goodbye, everybody, and have a great week. Goodbye, everyone, and thank you, Zachary.